Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, 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 hello. I'm clearly not Kaylin Patterson, but this program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a solid foundation to stand on as well as a vehicle to drive your goals like what, Kaylin Patterson? Well, I guess it's like a back truck through ice cream, but <laughs> wherever KP is, I don't know. We will keep working on that. Then uh, check us out at p4pmuscle.com. And now let's talk. I am Desiree Fletcher Carruthers, and my silent but uh, should be present co host is Kaylin Patterson. And we are here tonight to rock the Rhythm Talk house. Kaylin, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. All right. Well, now you are. Glad to have you. I uh, I was trying to hand off for the like a Mack truck like through ice cream, but uh, you were not there. I don't know where well, you were. I, I you you were in cyberspace I, somewhere. Yes, please do. Can I do it? Do do, do, do respond really now. Thank Since you. Since you didn't respond. Lord, And, uh, well, he tried. (laughs) Hopefully we will have him back sooner than later. I'm not sure what's going on with that. But in the meantime, Peter Costantino, our guest tonight, you are with us. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to listener land while we work on getting Kalen back. All right, it's great to be back. Um, yeah, you guys are the first guys to ever give me an interview. And just to, you know, kind of brush the viewers up, um, I'm somebody that has struggled with very severe morbid obesity since I was a really young child. And it's been a, a, a life of a lot of pain and sadness. And just a few years ago, I made that decision to stop making excuses, stop blaming, and go on a journey to pretty much rebuild my life from the ground up and what I've been doing. That is awesome. And, you know, it has been a couple of years since we've had you on the show, but uh, every time we have you back, you've always made progress. You're doing new and exciting things, and I just think that is fantastic. Um, And I know one of the latest steps in your health and wellness weight loss journey is you did um, go through the skin removal process. I know you worked on fundraising for that for a while, hit your goals, had the procedure. um, And I may just be jumping into things too quick. So if there's more that happened before that, um, that you would like to bring us up to speed on, on what's been going on with you and your journey and the people that you've been touching with it, please feel free to uh, fill us in. Otherwise, we can pick up on that part of your story and go forward from there. Well, I figured I'll just kind of pick up where I where I left off last time. Let's see, where we left off last time was right after my mother had passed away, and I was getting ready to do the Mr. and Mrs. Minnesota Bodybuilding Show. Yeah, that was a really fun event. And ironically, you know, getting ready for that, um, I knew I needed help. I knew I needed help. Um, getting more fit and just, I knew, so I, there was a guy at the gym who I got to know and 
you know, I went up to him and I asked for his help and he, he took me under his wing. I've been working with him well, for the last couple of years and uh, his name is Antoine. And so he really, you know, he took me under his wing and we started, he started training with me, really helped me understand lifting weights on more of a technical level and form and things like that. And so I was able to, you know, start putting on a lot more muscle and getting more definition. And, you know, we did that. Um, we practiced a lot for the show. I kind of did a, what I did at Mr. and Mrs. Minnesota was a, was a little bit of posing, but more I kind of told my story with it and included some photos. And, you know, it was a really, um, you know, after losing my mother, having that performance to having that really held me together. It, uh, it allowed me not to fall apart and go back to old patterns because, you know, I was very blessed to have an opportunity like that. And I did it. And I really enjoyed it. And it's, uh, you know, it inspired a lot of people. It, um, all the judges were very touched. They all stood up and gave me a standing ovation. So it was a really, uh, it was a really cool moment. Around that same time is when I started, somebody who I'd gotten to know from the gym, he, he asked, he started asking me a few questions about if I'd ever been to church or if I had a relationship with the Lord, and I really never had. I had believed in God, but I never, I never knew, you know, um, Jesus and, and, any, and any of how that worked. So around that same time is when I started going to Rock Point Church, and uh, I remember from the first moment I walked through the doors of Rock Point, I had a feeling and I felt a an energy and a wave of love and I knew I walked into a I knew I walked into a building that, that my life was about to change. I didn't know how yet. But I could just feel it. So going to Rock Point and then really, you know, part of my issues um that I had was really being social and kind of coming out of my shell in public. And so going to Rock Point, I started very slowly but surely coming out of my shell more. I had really, really wonderful, blessed people that were there and really were there for me. And I started serving. I started going to a, a program in a, out in East St. Paul called Cure Ministries. And you know, what we do is we serve people, uh, you know, a hot meal and just, um, you know, share conversation with them and, you know, get to know them and let them know there's people that love you. And that led to me getting to know more of the other people from my church. And I got to know um, the head ushers, and they asked me if I would ever be interested. And I started ushering, and ushering was a big way for – I felt very safe at Rock Point. So I was able to – being an usher, you have to talk with people. You can't – there's nothing to hide behind. So I was very blessed in having that opportunity, and I – started ushering every weekend and that really helped me get out of that that shell and get me ready to do Mr. and Mrs. Minnesota. You know, having conversations with people and not having a lot of the severe anxieties and things that had been built up in my mind from being made fun of for years and years. So really it was a was a healing thing and, and it got me serving as well. And that was a very, very uh it was a, a great moment. Uh, later that summer, I, I got baptized at Rock Point. And that, that was a, a very special moment that I got to share with the, all the brothers and sisters there. And you know, life just 
started evolving more and more. And uh, the summer came, uh, the summer went. The whole time I was, you remember, I'd never stopped training or or living that new lifestyle. I just kept evolving, learning more, getting more disciplined, um, just kept going and going and going. But the big thing is, was the quality of the relationship that I was meeting out of Rock Point. I, I felt, I felt a stronger feeling than even when I went started training in the gym. And when I started working out, you know, I felt a very strong presence within me saying, "This is what I need to be doing with my life." And I felt a much stronger presence at Rock Point and the people I started growing relationships with. And some. It really is uh, very uh, very emotional when I when I think of how uh, so many people there just treated me with a love and a compassion and helped heal and it, it healed it, it healed the damage inside from really being made fun of all those years and it also started planting the seeds for me to find a relationship with Jesus. Now I did not fall right into. Um, my relationship with the Lord, it, it has been a journey. I think it's that way for most people I, that, that I've talked to a lot of people that way with, with me. It's definitely been, you know, um, learning scripture that that was um, been a tough process that I've only really gotten good at, I would say, in the last six to eight months in terms of really being able to understand and apply the word. So I kept going all summer and um then I, I started getting some opportunities to speak, um, just giving my testimony, and I really enjoy doing that. That like working out. That's a skill. You gotta, you gotta do it. So I, I got opportunities to speak, and um, then I actually got to the point where I had my first um, surgery set up. It was gonna be. It was almost. It was a year. But about a year ago, last November, and. Now, I had made leaps and bounds physically, emotionally, but I moved too quick. And I had a complete breakdown a few weeks before my procedure. And it, it's ironically how when you, and, it, and I'm not going to sugarcoat what happened. I had what you call a full blown relapse. Uh, it's amazing how it started. It started with me not going to cure and serving making excuses and not doing that. And then that led to me not showing up at church, which eventually led me not going to the gym, which eventually led to me isolating in my home, shoving pizza rolls in my mouth, um, completely shutting down from all the people that had been there for me on this journey. And it was a very, uh, very low, humbling moment. And, but this time, I wasn't alone, and people came for me, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't let me hide. Um, really good friend of mine, Greg Lomer, even sent the police here to check on me for a wellness check. Um, people from the gym oh. came here, and they wouldn't—they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't leave until they saw me. So there was a oh, a love shown to me, and you know, it didn't. I didn't come out immediately, but after a few days, I just, I said, okay, enough. I was very fortunate really not to gain any weight back because it was maybe over a two-week span. 
But the big thing was having to go and face people after behaving like that because this is completely unacceptable behavior. And people, you know, I never got any weird backlash. People were just very, very happy to see me back. I was at the gym. I was people open arms, the same at church. And a few weeks after I after I came back was it was the first uh, church service I was ever um, ushered at at Rock Point. And I remember it, it was um, there wasn't it wasn't very highly attended at least a couple services that I was at and so it was much more intimate and I remember really feeling a, a presence kind of speaking to me and I and I now I know now that was that was the Lord calling me open up open up open up and, and I did and. Uh, Shortly after that, I was giving a speech at a at a Christian school to some children, and a reporter hey, from hey, the Pioneer Press. Um, yeah. Hey, do you mind if I just jump in for a second? Um, we have our listeners are intently listening. Um, but they're not quite ready for you to move on yet from your relapse. So I think a lot of them have questions on what what actually does that mean I mean I feel and and these are probably listeners that don't know your full background so um, you know you you came from well over 300 pounds um, or you've lost 300 pounds you came from well over that and have adopted a new lifestyle that has led you down a fantastic journey where you're doing transformation competitions on bodybuilding stages, um, you know, motivational speaker, have just made all kinds of strides in your life, which you have maintained for a long time. But as you said, some of that change, it just came way too quickly and it kind of crumbled. So I don't know if you can kind of share more, a little bit of what of what might have triggered that was it just you know something all at once that just hit you and an overwhelming sense of I don't know if it was just fear or what overcame you um, and then just kind of describe some of the habits other than you know just shoveling pizza rolls into your mouth because a lot of us shovel pizza rolls into our mouth sometimes um, but just you know what really that relapse looked like for you what what habits had you gone back to that you thought you had overcome? Well, I think what led to the relapse was too much too soon. And and I really believe that. And, um, and that's too much attention from people too much, too much much, what too soon. You know, it was just, I never really lived life. I, built this wall of obesity and that's what I knew and that's the life I lived so I I never had a life before that I mean that's all I ever knew so to to go from somebody that was 555 pounds that had virtually no social skills to pretty much being I mean I was the special guest at, at a major bodybuilding show here that it made me. It when I really think it it, it it made me think I was more than I was. I didn't understand what it was all about. So mm-hmm. how I'll phrase why I phrase it a relapse. Anybody that struggles from an addiction, whether it's food, alcohol, 
you know, drugs, anything. It's a mindset. And, and whatever you use to go into that place and, and not deal with it is a relapse. So that's why I rephrase that as a relapse. So in my past, you know, pizza rolls were my trigger food. I would, anybody that suffers from obesity has certain foods. I believe that just, that's like one of their go-to foods that they just eat to a super unhuman level and just very self-destructive. Pizza rolls were mine. Pizza rolls very much gave mm-hmm. me almost like a drug effect. I guess is a good way to yeah. put it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I went from the, the complete fitness life of eating clean, eating healthy, to hiding again and just shoveling that food down my throat. You know, drinking the pop and, and all that stuff. So that's why I say that was a complete relapse. Because it was. It was, um, it, it, and I, I think part of what it was is that also I had the, the skin surgery. Now, what they, getting that skin removed was a major life step. It, it wasn't just getting some skin removed. It was a major change to my body. Yes, and I knew. I think in my in my subconscious, in my in my mind, I always knew when I would get to the point where I'd have that done, I was going to change. It was going to change to another level. And at that time, I was not ready for that change yet. I did not have mm-hmm. a strong enough relationship with the Lord to handle it, and that's why it happened. That's why I fell apart. And that's why I was given that grace and brought back up and said, you need to go do more work. And that's what I continued to do. I continued to pursue my relationship. And there's several things I did do before I ended up did having the surgery. So does that give everybody kind of a little idea, a little more detail of, of what happened? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. And, yeah, and I think the biggest thing is, like, with, with our listeners, um, we have a lot of listeners, and we, we have a lot of bodybuilding family, of course, a lot of fit family especially, but then there's a lot of people that are struggling uh, like you, uh, you know, where they just don't know how to stop. And I think that's the biggest thing with all of us is that we get to a certain point, and then what now? Because, you know, I, I was telling a fella that had back surgery, I said he was no longer at ground zero he was underground and there was going to have to be some steps and procedures that he was going to have to do to basically get back to ground zero. And that's, that's, that's difficult when it's, it's uncharted territory or you get used to being in that state of stress where it becomes normal. And I I talk about this a lot. And I mean, it it almost makes people frustrated when I say, well, you got to learn a new normal. And they say, well, society says, I said, but you're not society right now. At some point, None of us are, are matching society in, in a positive way. We're actually going in a negative deficit. And I think that's what you're talking about, and that's what our listeners are dealing with. Because Des and I can say, say it till we're blue in the face, but when they see pictures of us, they see healthy, fit people. And we've always been like that in our minds. So I think when they're hearing it from you and knowing that the struggles you had, it can actually touch home a lot more. Like you're saying, if God has made that your ministry, and you can speak on it a lot better than a lot a lot of people can, and a, and a lot deeper because you can actually touch base with those feelings and emotions 
that uh, most society cannot. So could you just uh, fill in the blanks on what I might have missed and uh, go from there? You know, a lot of people um, that that have known, gotten to know me or come across my story or or see me now, um, they almost look at me like I'm superhuman and I tell you I am I am no superhuman. I am just as human as any other person. I just found what I wanted and wouldn't stop till I got it. I guess and I and I and I worked very hard. Anybody can it, it it's amazing what a human being is truly capable of if you won't let anything get in your way. But and when I say don't let things get in your way, I mean more yourself. Not that you want to manipulate or hurt people to get what you want, because that that's not going to get you very far in life. But I mean, to be a 550-pound person or, or wherever you're where you're at on a physical or, or level, or are you suffering from addiction, and and to see and and have a vision of a, of a life. And then to go on a journey, and, and it starts one day at a time. And it's a journey that it's taken me on. I mean, I'm going in the five-year mark. Wow. But you got you, you, you to accept that you're going to make mistakes. You've got to accept that you're going to fall flat on your face time and time and time again. But every time you fall on your face, you learn something. And those who succeed get back up and keep going. You keep going to the gym even though you're sore. You you even even you have a bad meal or you fall off the program for a couple of weeks. It's okay. I did, and I'm very open in sharing that with people. But I got back up, and that's what it takes to get what you want in life. You just got to keep going, and you can't be afraid to fail. Failure is how you learn. Any, I can't. How many people? All the all you men and women out there that compete on the stage, I guarantee you, you you made a lot of mistakes before you got your first place or your second place or your pro card, but you kept working for it, right? Yep. Yep. Most without a doubt. <laughs> We're all just people. We're all just people. But those who succeed work for it and don't let fear get in their way. That's the only difference. I'm just an example of, I just have a very visual example, I guess, of so people can see, oh, you went from this to this. But I'm also very honest how. I was able to get where I'm at and accomplish the things that I have. I, I learned along this way that it's not me. I've been chosen by the Lord to be a vessel to give people hope at a time where it's very hopeless for a lot of people out there. And, and it's very hard when you see the world that we live in, when it's the viciousness, the things that just yes. are wrong how children are being hurt. It's, you can feel very hopeless and like, why care? 
And I've been chosen as an example of, no, this is what love can do. That's why I'm alive. Because Jesus gave that love, that love that's from past to me. Um, The moment where I would say, the moment where I fully became submitted, I had my, it was called an apodectomy, and it wasn't just skin removal. They removed a massive amount of uh, skin. And I had complications from that. Um, six days after surgery, my hemoglobin dropped very low, and I ended up collapsing at home, falling and smacking my head, and ripped open all, a whole bunch of those stitches up, that giant incisions, over four and a half oh, feet man. of incisions. So I went down, and wow. I lied there on the floor, and, and I really thought that I was dying. And I, I can imagine. And I just called out to Jesus, and I just said, "Jesus, I'm so sorry." And I felt the grace of God touch me. I felt Jesus hold me like a baby. I stayed in constant contact with Him while the paramedics took me out. I never broke. They brought me to the hospital. I never broke contact. They let me lie there at the hospital six days out of all that surgery and gave me nothing for pain, nothing. And all I did was just stay in contact with Jesus. Jesus is so real. People, I have conversations with people, and they won't even say his name. And that hurts me. It makes me cry because when I called upon him and he came to me like that, he made me realize, number one, he's always been there. Yep. And number two, I felt his love. I felt Amen. his love in a way that that in a situation where I couldn't even barely physically move, I was okay because the grace of God was was holding me. I had complicated, you know, um, so through the falling, it set back my healing quite a bit. I had to be on the narcotics longer. Well, my body got dependent on them, so I have a little taste of what that felt like. And I remember coming back to church, ushering, and I truly felt the withdrawal feelings of, of it. And it was my whole body hurt all over in, in a way I'd never hurt before. And I just started um, singing to some of the songs that, that were being played, and I felt that grace again. And I knew I was going to be okay. And ever since I went down in the bathroom after surgery, I've been different. Something's different. Um I feel the Holy Spirit in me all the time. And and it's amazing. I'll I'll um I'll be having conversations with people and all of a sudden it's just the spirit comes in me and just it is I know I'm I'm there, but I'm just 
channeling what the Lord wants me to say or what he wants me to do in that situation. And because I've made the choice, and that's a choice we all have to make. He's there for every one of us. And he loves us so much that he gives us the power of choice. Hey, uh, Pete, can I jump in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to I wanna stress on this because this is one of the things that uh, when a lot of people are seeking out God and seeking out Jesus and seeking mm-hmm. out the Lord and Savior, many times, many times they're led astray because people see that people have a hunger for something, but they're blind in what they're looking for. And they'll abuse that. Mm-hmm by teaching a false doctrine, what I call it. And what you're doing Mm -hmm. is is beautiful because at no point are you saying, you know, I, me, or anything other than how God has blessed you or how God has gotten you through things. And this shows true appreciation and true love because you're acknowledging him as the one who delivered you, not how anything else other than him has done it. And I hope our listeners are really catching on to that point how you know you're you're truly acknowledging him as a lord and savior not like your homeboy or somebody you could kick it with this is somebody that you have to give reverence to because you know all that he's delivered you through so i i just want to say thank you for for that and i mean i'm loving this whole part of it but i i do hope our listeners are truly understanding just how you're acknowledging him as a true father, as as a true savior, and and I love where you're coming from, brother. Yeah, you know, the greatest love you'll ever know. So powerful that can change you in every way possible. Um, I know a lot of people get bad. Um. You know, society, I know a lot of people, the word religion, how that divides a lot of people. I don't do religion. I do relationships. It's a personal relationship. And I know people will go to church and start to pursue that, but something bad will happen. Or somebody will do something wrong to them. Or, you know, all the the things that can happen. But that's not Jesus. That's people. And what I've learned... And I've had wonderful pastors really help me learn scripture. That's people. Don't ever, anybody out there, don't ever let another human being ever get in the way of your relationship with Jesus. Amen to that. No, amen to that without a doubt. And, you know, I just, A, I appreciate your upfrontness with your story and every element of it and just the encouragement that you have been sharing because there are just so many elements here that I think we all can relate to because, you know, you've had a rocky start and you shared that story with us and you were, you were on a high for a long time once you discovered health and wellness and what that was doing for you and how it was changing you. And um, as your as your journey progressed, though, it wasn't just all unicorns and rainbows. And you've been very forthcoming in demonstrating that. But your perseverance and 
your source of, you know, strength, love, power to persevere and how you have continued to evolve as your relationship has evolved with Christ. I mean, that's not always an easy story to tell because you're right. It is a divisive area for so yes. many people on on so many levels. But yeah, here we are. And it is just all about love and it all is all about the human experience and persevering because it can be done. There are, you know, my younger brother was saying somebody had asked him, you know, how was your decade? December is going to be the last month of this decade. And he was like, wow, that really hit me. And he stopped to think about his life and all that was in it. And so I posed that question on social media, and there are so many people out there that say, you know, it sucked, it sucked, it sucked. And, you know, I could jump in and say it sucked too because this last decade was tough. (laughs) It was tough for a lot of reasons all around, but there's still so much to be grateful for. And I appreciate the fact that you're showing the whole picture, the whole paradigm of how it all comes together. I mean, you always want to, for those who do believe in God, and for those who don't, but we tend to think it's so easy to blame God for when everything goes wrong. Um, and then we're his biggest friend when everything is right, but that's not the way life is. You know, things go wrong, but yet he is always there to help you come back around and bring joy out of the pain in some way, shape, or form or fashion. So I do appreciate that. And um, I thank you very much for being as honest and sharing your story. Um, I am going to detour us just a little bit. We can come back, but I'm going to detour us just a little tiny bit here. We have a question here from Blair. And I, you know, I appreciate you also talking about how being on an opioid, your painkiller longer than what you probably had hoped for had led to some complications because, A, folks, that's very real. You guys need to be cognizant of that. We don't have an opioid epidemic for no reason. So, Again, another great live example of that impact on a life, but it can be overcome. But the question from Blair is, what medications did you, Peter, take while dealing with extreme obesity, and when did you not have to take them anymore? Or when did you able when when were you able to cut back on them if you were? Well, let's see. Um, when I was heavy, obviously I had you know type two diabetes. I had uh, hypertension, high blood pressure. Um, I remember I was having some weird like heart things. Um, the medications they had with uh, that was been a few years. They had me on a what is it? They had me on a whole bunch of pills. I could tell you that. I think Actos was one of them. Uh, uh, what was the one that used to always give me really bad runs? And then it was on a, yeah yeah it's a very common one. Um, I was on a couple of them for the diabetes and uh, and then the, the hypertension they had me on one. I don't even remember it. I used to be on so many pills back then that then there was all the ones for anxiety and depression and Zoloft and all that stuff. But really, um, in terms of the ones for like diabetes and, and my health complications. Those came off when I probably lost around 150 pounds, I want to say. When I went and I had a checkup, my you know, my blood sugars had stabilized, and uh, they started weaning me off those. The uh, the anxiety ones and stuff like that, you know, I, I chose. I, I came off those started going on the journey because I couldn't. 
I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to walk around like a zombie. And that's what a lot of those yeah. do. They kind of just. Oh, you, you better know, believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was able to, yeah, with doctor supervision, of course, was able to come off everything. And the only thing I take now are just supplements you know, for like my joints, things like that, general health stuff. But I'm not on any medications right now. So Fantastic. That's awesome. And that's what comes from, you know, from being healthier. It's no matter how far gone you are, I found the body's more resilient if you start taking care of it and um, feed it properly and exercise it. It seems to have tremendous healing properties. That's what I found oh, yeah. with my body. <laughs> yeah. I've been witness to that. But I, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier as well. And uh, that's one of the most profound things that I think when people are, are making a life change is they forget to make the mental change that changes their life. Um, mm-hmm. When and that, that be, it, you had to get away from some bad habits and some bad thinking and some bad uh, basic ideologies. It, it, it's not something that happens overnight because we have to walk away or let go of our bad habits. And that's not easy because they're basically us. And how do you get away from you? And until you let God in, it, it's it's a harder thing to do than most will admit. And I've seen people quit smoking thousands of times only to pick it back up a thousand and one. It, it's, it's a lot more difficult, but there's going to be a lot of people involved. And I'm always shocked and amazed that the people that do get away from those habits, that do get away from those bad things, neglect to admit the people that God has put in their lives to help that happen. I mean, how many people, because I, I, I mean, I can go into the thousands of, of people that helped change my mindset that God had basically directed to my life and helped me have a better way of thinking because I was definitely going the wrong way trying to use my own brain. So, you know, if you could... Uh, give some further insight on that and, and delve a little deeper and in, in how much it took for you to make that 180. I, you know, I was, so I was the very morbidly obese person. So I, it's human nature that you absorb the energy from the people that you're around. It's just, so that's why for me, I knew in the initial stages, what I was doing, I needed to go to a gym and be around fit people. And I was very blessed to have a gym of people that was very good to me. They didn't treat me like a freak, but actually saw after the course of time, oh, he's serious. He's really here. So I was very, so I surrounded myself with the right people there. And, you know, as time went on, started going to church, I surrounded myself with the right people there. Got to set yourself up to succeed. Um, Tough to lose a lot of weight if you're going to go, well, look at smoking. If you smoke and you're attempting to quit, it's going to be pretty much impossible if you go around smokers all the time. Same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to lose a lot, you need to, you, you know, I had to learn how. So to me, it was very, go to a gym and, and, and learn from people that, you know, that eat healthy, that, that exercise. And that, that's what I did. And it's a process. And like I said, it's a process, and it's okay to fail a lot. <laughs> it's just about getting <laughs> back up. I mean, really. <laughs> I'll point that out because it's 
people are afraid to fail and you can't. And then you live in fear. And you can never get to where you want to go in life by living in fear. The enemy wants us to live in fear. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. That's where paralysis is. No doubt. No doubt. Another important fact to remember. Um, we have a question here from Charles. He wants to know, what was your max bench when you first started and what's your max bench now? How, could, how far could you walk in the beginning and how far can you walk now? Well, let's see, my max bench in the beginning, I didn't even touch a bench press, I would say, the first, oh, year. Um, when I first started benching, I remember I could bench the bar plus, I think, maybe five pounds. Now my max bench is around 300. I can do 300 for about nice. five reps. Very nice. Walking was, um, walking was um, I-, I could really only walk a few blocks at first. Now I can pretty much walk as far as I want, <laughs> which is really gives you a sense of freedom. Yeah, I mean I have no it problem does. getting on the the elliptical. Yeah, I have no problem like getting on the treadmill and almost doing a a, a sprint for forty five minutes. I have, so no, I but I that's been built up and yeah, I I love walking because I remember I remember when walking was one of the most painful things that I had to do. So being able to, you know, go for a five-mile walk is a, a sense of freedom. It means a lot more to me than benching 300 pounds. Because I look at, I've always looked at, and I continue to look at lifting weights as, okay, this is where you're at, so we're going to keep working, we're going to get here. And that's just how I view it, so I never, you know, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. Very good. Very good. Um, Samantha? or Sam, I should say, wants to know, was there any joint damage from the obesity? I do have some stiffness, most definitely. Um, and, you know, some things I, I, I take easier. The way I'll, um, I do my cardio, you know, I'll, I'll tend to do things to try not to pull the joints as hard. But, um, you know, I've been very um, lucky to, um, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. I mean, I've been really, um, really blessed that way. But there's, there's definitely some wear and tear, and I have, I have no doubts in ten years that I'll have to have knee replaced and hips replaced and things like that. But that's just, you know, that is what it is, and I'll deal with those issues as they come. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of pain doesn't stop or deter me at all. So I just work around it. That's what I love about fitness. If you can't do this, do it a different way. It can get done. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I had to learn some of that myself, and uh, it, it's it's one of those where you can you know kick the dirt and pout, or you can like you said just you know put those muscles to the ground, dig in, and start doing what needs to be done because it sure doesn't get better by doing absolutely nothing, and uh, it gets progressively worse uh, when when you choose to basically sit and pout. And I just love how you said that, brother. Um, I'm really loving the the concept of what you're talking about, but I definitely don't want to get away from the church side of it because I know uh, when I when I was first uh, brought into the church that Usher did definitely took me out of my uh, introverted mentality because I, I would hide away every chance I got. 
And uh, Des, you mm-hmm. already know the story behind that, so we won't go into that. But uh, there's a lot of changes that happen when loving people are interacting with you as compared to worldly people who are trying to manipulate or get something out of you. Uh, true concern really changes the heart and mind. And I can't say enough about that, you know, when, when my with my Christian walk. And it definitely helped my fitness walk because what I learned in the church, I took everywhere I went because it simply had become a part of me. So, Pete, when you're talking about, you know, being able to speak now and, and being able to do some things, I'm sure there's some tidbits that you picked up from all the positive people that you've been interacting and engaging. Oh, I've been blessed to have some wonderful interactions with, you know, just in serving, going on mission trips. Uh, a pastor who I'm very close with is uh, that I serve with at East Emmanuel. His name's Pastor Terrell. Now, Pastor Terrell came to the Lord from a from a very dark place. He was one of the biggest gang leaders in Chicago, selling heroin. And he was doing a serious stint in prison, and the Lord came to him, and he submitted to a new life. And he's a very intense man, and I've gotten to know him. And um, ever since, you know, I've been I've gotten known for a couple of years, and he's dying of lung cancer. He should have been dead over a year ago. And he'll go to I've seen him very weak. And then when he goes to speak the word, the spirit comes in him, and it, it takes your breath away. But he's very wise, and he has a very um, bold, intense personality when he starts preaching the gospel, a lot like myself. He sees that in me, and he told me something once, and it's always stuck in my mind. When you accept your new life with the Lord, you sign a contract, and you trade in your old life. And in doing that, yes. you're given a new life. You, you have to work for it, and you have to conduct yourself in a certain way. Now, nobody does it perfectly because that's not possible. And as I've evolved as a Christian and don't we all made a life and and, and made a life and built a life of of using this transformation to show people the love of Christ. To, instead of going on vacations, I go on mission trips to go down to Corpus Christi, Texas and help people rebuild their homes to take the gift that I've been blessed with, go to a person that's been broken because they've been living in nothing for years since the hurricane and to show them that love by sharing my story and to see that person change because of it because they felt the love of Christ is there's no greater feeling in the world. And because I choose, I make the choice, and it's a daily choice, because I make the choice to start my day by immediately connecting to the Lord, by making the choice of not watching television, not listening to the garbage that's out there, by immediately waking up, putting my, my eyes on the word, listening to the gospel, praying, going to deep prayer, asking for help, asking for that guidance, asking for his blessing to help all these obese children out there. These prayers are being answered. Um, this weekend coming up, I will be at a 
big fitness expo down here in the Twin Cities at the Minneapolis Convention Center. I've been blessed to partner with doctors um, to help people with the basic concept of how to portion their food. I've been blessed with a fit uh, a, a fitness celebrity. The the blessings that are being being given to me to give back to people to help people, the doors that are being opened, it it's part of that new life. But I make that choice. I make that choice by making it all about him. It's not about me. I'm nothing. I'm just a vessel. I, I Peter, the, the person I am, died in that bathroom. He's gone. I live a new life serving Christ. And I'll, that's what I'll do the rest of my life. I'm going to have more surgery in a couple weeks. I have to have several procedures to remove the skin from because there's so much. The Lord has provided the means for the first one. He's provided the means for this next one coming up. And I know he'll provide the means for them all. And he's doing that because I'm out there showing people his love. I'm people it's my job to give that hope. But in doing that, life isn't all rainbows and unicorns. Many people at that gym that I lost all that weight turned against me. They scratched mm. my car. They made fun of me. They jumped on equipment and called me fat when I'm so physically superior to them in a, in a fitness level. But I understand that's not them. That's the enemy trying to attack, trying to tear me down. All right. Living a new life in Christ isn't always easy, but you keep going. You embrace sure that not. relationship. And sure I'm, God, God is giving me his blessing to be the weight loss guy. I, I'm somebody that's been blessed with that role. I am very honored to be the Christian weight loss man, and, that, and that's who I am. And that's a gift that I need to keep giving back to the world. And I'm a huge advocate for children. Guys, the rate of obesity in children is skyrocketing. And they don't talk about it, but it's bad. It's, we're, we're talking two, three-year-olds are morbidly obese. These are babies. Oh, As a society, no doubt. failing children. So when you to have deal mothers with this, giving babies soda pop in bottles, that's wrong. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so when you take a look at a problem like this, you, you've got broken families. So would we, as brothers and sisters of Christ, as any fellow human being need to do, we need to come together and we need to help these people. One of the blessings that I've been blessed with is I'm on the board of directors for an organization called Amazing Journeys Together. And what we are is we're a nonprofit organization that's really getting ready to expand. And what we do is we are a support mechanism for people 
that have been struggling with, with obesity, people that have lost weight, whether they had surgery or they lost weight naturally, whether they're just starting, um, a big part of what we're going to do is, put, is we're going to put together a children's camp so families can come and we can teach these families how to be healthy together because the, as I talk to people, people, many people are clueless at what they're doing. But they're hurting because their children are sick. So we have to bring these people together and teach them. They don't know. Nobody wants to see their baby like that. I know that. So we can't no. attack the parents. We have to help them. And that's what I do with the rest of my life. And anything that the Lord provides for me is because that's what I'll do. And I'll never let a human being tell me what I'm doing is wrong because, like I said, Jesus came to me in that bathroom and spared me to do this. And he's opened all the doors for it to be done because it has to be done. Because when I see an obese child, I just don't see their body. I feel their pain in my soul. I feel it in my heart. And I say, Jesus, give me the strength to help these children. Because it makes me cry and it makes Jesus cry that children are suffering. And as a society, we need to come together. I'm just the vessel chosen because I was that child. And I was the one who had his life destroyed because of it. And I'm the one chosen to be an advocate for those kids. And the Lord's provided me people. And he'll continue to provide people for me for this message. Men of power will unite with me on this. I know this because it's in the prayer. It's in the scripture. This is, my, this is the calling that I've been chosen for. And everybody out there, we all have a calling. But yes, you've got to submit to his will to find out what it is. There you go. That's what I've learned. <laughs> and I know. Well, and that's you know, a powerful and, lesson. Yeah, it's, it's, it completes who you are. I know who I am. I know who I've always meant to be. I know why I was put through the things I've been put through for these moments, for what I'm doing. I have absolutely no fear of having more surgery. I'm experienced. I know what to expect. I won't have nearly the um, the next few rounds where the removing skin aren't going to be nearly as physically hard on me because they're not taking off as much. They removed 20 pounds from me the first time. That was a major um, alteration on my body. Major. Wow. It was um, also changed how my body functions, how my body processes food, insulin, how I'm able to use it. But all you know, the the fact that I'm able to go through all that is a blessing because I'm doing the Lord's work. And and I think that's an example that people need to see. It's not that I'm not I'm not driven by money or our possessions and driven by Jesus purely. And that's why I try not to let the world distract me. The world is designed to make you think about yourself. You did not mm-hmm. give the credit to the Lord. Because you can't truly love until you embrace his love. That's what I found on this journey. And that is why and it's not that I think I'm better than anybody because I'm no better than anybody. I just make a choice. And I see how to get stronger and closer to the Father. And that's what I do. That's why I don't watch football on Sunday. It's not that there's nothing wrong with that. I just make that choice because I don't want 
all this subliminal stuff gets into my mind because it can't do anything for me to help those obese children. And everything I do is all about helping those children, those children that need a chance to live, to grow, to be happy, to play, to be healthy, to grow up. They're not getting a chance. And I will not keep my mouth shut anymore. Because I'm given the greatest power by the greatest one of all. And that's, and that's my calling. And I hope that doesn't offend anybody because I don't speak the way I'm called to speak to offend anybody. But these are facts I'm talking about. This isn't fiction. And obese children is an epidemic that's going to get worse and worse and worse unless we come together as a society and deal with the problem. It's, mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. there's so much, so much truth, so much truth, and um, and unfortunately, I have to be the bearer of bad news that we're out of time. But I've just been kind of soaking it all in, not a lot to contribute because sometimes you just have to listen. <laughs> you yeah. have to listen and, and take note. Take note. You know what? <laughs> you have been sassy now for longer than I can even. Even put words to, but not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> so we are just going to say thank you, Peter, so much for sharing and at least giving me, if not anyone else, a lot to reflect upon because I feel the same Amen. way about health and wellness and, you know, the things and the reason that I do what I do, whether it would be on the natural bodybuilding stage or through this podcast or you know, or, a little radio show or whatever it is, whatever it may be, it's because there are just so many people out there that need to hear what we know. And they may not want to hear it, but they need to hear it because our society is not set up for health and wellness. It's set up for dealing with disease. We want to prevent the disease before it happens. And that disease being, you know, all, all the all the things of the body that, that plague us and a lot of it stems from nutrition and lack of movement and now you throw in mental illness and we've just got the perfect storm so you know it it will take a lot of passion of people working together to change the world but it can be done because we've seen it time and time again on multiple fronts so hats off to you or I'll send it praise the Lord for you and um and all that you've been doing. And just thanks for joining us. I wasn't I wasn't quite prepared for the show that we had tonight, but definitely blessed by it. So just thank you yeah. again. When the Holy Spirit takes over, that's what happens. <laughs> and he took over. <laughs> I told and that's you, quite all right. That I, don't, I don't reject when the Father calls. I just, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and that's quite all right. Yep. And that we we welcome that here without a doubt. So uh Kaylin, Snickerdoodle shout out. Well, I, I'm telling you, I'm I'm really debating that pizza roll with Snickerdoodle. I might be wrong about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I can just say, you know what, praise the Lord and on behalf of all tonight on this line across the airwaves and just the love that's in the air. Your body is a temple, so let's build it. 